Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hello, and welcome to Coup People Who Did Coup Stuff, because we've had a coup in which... Robert Evans has uh, stopped pretending to be a different person than Sophie Lichterman. That's right. I'm just the best voice actor there's ever been. That's that's right. And that's why you have those uh, immaculate accents um, that that you totally do on your show and not mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. And each week we talk about cool people who did cool stuff, which has never been the name of the podcast. So... This week, we're talking with Laurie Penny. Hi, Laurie. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing good on this day that is totally a different day than the previous day that we recorded. Yeah, it's also a different day. It's also a different day uh, for me than it is for you. Uh, oh, that's true. Just gone, it's, yeah, it's just gone midnight here in London. Yeah, we wanted so to record Friday. on two different days. So, yeah. Well, and of course, our producer is Sophie Lichterman. Sophie, how are you doing? Sophie? Um, Laurie knows that I'm famously accent blind, but even I can tell a perfect Boston accent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Classic Boston Sophie, because she loves the Celtics so much. Yeah, totally. Um, Ian is our audio engineer. Hi, Ian. You have to say hi to Ian, too. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. Our theme music was written for us by On Woman. So, this week won't make any sense. Well, today won't make any sense unless you go back and listen to part one, mm-hmm. where you should go back to listen to part one, talk about Josephine Baker and where she comes from, which is mostly a series of not nice things that happened, followed by her doing really amazing shit and making it in France as a, a performer. A web of fascinating and brilliant lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love I love the idea of her, her as this just amazing amazing liar that's her talent in so so many ways and then she just becomes a spy which i, I don't actually know much about but i, I feel yeah. like i'm about to mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, and it's it's perfect. Everyone keeps thinking that she wouldn't be a good spy because she's like an actress. The most famous. famous person in the world. Right. Yeah. There are some downsides, but it works really well. What? So there's this intelligence agent, agency in France, or there used to be, and it's called the Duzium Bureau. Bureau. Yeah, forgot fucking damn. Whatever. It's called the Duzium <laughs> Bureau. Second, I, got, Bureau. I got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Duzium Bureau. There yeah. we go. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just becoming a lower low. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As compared to Laura, you can probably actually pronounce all of this stuff. Um, they're spies. And they spy on stuff. They counter-spy on other people's spies. They're the French CIA, essentially. They or the French M16, MI6. What's y'all's over in MI6 or MI5, that's what we call mm-hmm. it. The M1 is, is, is a road. Yeah. Wait, uh, why five uh, and why six? The most crowded road I've ever seen. Yeah, the M1. I've, I've never known why it's five and six, actually. Yeah. Are they different? Yeah, one is um, one is home affairs. One is one is the FBI. One is the CIA. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh-huh. It's like a GRU FSB sort of sort of deal. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the uh, the those the MBRU, uh, cut, uh whatever they predate the CIA by a long fucking time, like you know, fifty years at least. Yeah, he's not really that old. Yeah. Uh, however. It's also woefully underfunded. Not the CIA. They can have no funding. Definitely not the CIA. Yeah. And normally I would say I don't care if a country's foreign intelligence is underfunded. There's this problem with the Nazis, you know, and it will have impacts. Right. Yeah. So one of the ways that they start financing their shit, or rather they start setting aside this slush fund where they're basically like intercepting spies, German spies in France and then continuing to pretend to be those spies in order to keep getting payments from Germany because Germany's spy agency is really well funded. <laughs> They're running fake spies in order to steal from the Nazis. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's not where I thought this was going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um They're also relying primarily on volunteer spies because they're broke as fuck. These volunteer spies are called honorable correspondents, and they are a sort of irregular, and they're probably not super trustworthy, to be honest, although actually they are rated as very trustworthy by the, like, each of the French spies at this time has, like, a rating of, the information is, like, rated on a, like, C to A scale. And but, like, are you meant to be trustworthy if you're a spy? I thought that was I know. I, maybe, I've mis- maybe I've misunderstood spying here, right? <laughs> I may not, I may not know much about 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 lying, but I, I feel like spies aren't trustworthy. Yeah, that's fair. I, I honestly sometimes spying seems like the most impossible thing in the world because you're like, well, who's lying and who's not? I mean, I guess that's the whole thing is trying to figure out who's lying and who's not. There's whole things about it, but I don't know. It's much easier to just be like. I'm a partisan, I shoot Nazis, and then these people have to do like really complicated shit, you know? Yes. Open and clear communication. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, nonviolent communication with bullets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's something different. Oh, violent communication, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Violent communication, yeah. yeah. Alright, so they recruit her, the, the, the ZM Bureau. And it's a gamble. They're like, a lot of people, like the guy who wants to recruit her is like, I want to recruit Josephine Baker. And people are like, she's literally the most photographed woman in the world. How can she be a spy? Right? 
But this is how it worked. And it's, it worked because of that. So this guy shows up at her house, her, her big, her chateau, and is like, hey, do you want to go be a spy for France? And she's apparently she's like hanging out in boots in the garden, like picking up snails in order to feed them to her ducks. No. Yeah, it's like very like, you know, she has like two lives. You know, she's Josephine Baker on stage. And then she's like the lady who picks up snails to go feed to the ducks or whatever. It's like a secret dorkiness. Yeah, she just totally. loves her goat and her pig and her cheetah and her ducks. Yeah, and her dog and her three different types of monkeys and her mice. Um, but we'll get to those. Just so glad she got so many animals. Because at yeah. the beginning of the story, she's like running away from home because they won't let her have all her animals. I know. And it's, it's, it, it's like the same kind of person right the way through. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So they show up and this guy shows up and he's like, yeah, you want to go spy for France? And she's like, well, I fucking hate Nazis and I fucking love Paris, so let's go. Or more specifically, she says things like, the way she's quoted in all of the various honorifics from France is she says, mm-hmm. Dis- dispose of me as you will. Hmm. Uh, you know, she's willing to die to fuck up Nazis. She also makes it very clear up front that she has no problem killing Nazis herself with her bare hands as necessary. Was this was this something that they, they suggested she should do? Or was she just like, as an optional extra... <laughs> I just think in she, case, like, yeah. like, had she been asked to do it no. I think she just was like, I just want to make it clear. Like, does this mean I get to kill some? Um, yeah. They were like, bare hands. It's like, you, you can have a weapon. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, totally. She's like, whatever. I don't care. There's nothing wrong with you. I can't fix with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And her handler is a guy named uh, Jacques Abte. They start fucking, I think, pretty much immediately because they're sure. spies. Um, which makes the whole, like, dispose of me as you will, like, kind of a, kind of hot. I was going to say. Yeah. Both of them are married. Both of their marriages on the rocks. Uh, Sugar Lion has been cheating on Josephine. Josephine mm. also had recently had a miscarriage that broke her heart and put some distance between yeah. her and, and Lion. And then Abte, his like wife, I think was in. Actually, I don't think his marriage was on the rocks. I think he was just being shitty. His wife, his wife was not Josephine Baker. That was the problem with his. Yeah, exactly. And his wife was like, I think in England at this point because the aforementioned the fall of France is imminent. One thing I didn't quite realize is how everyone in France knew the fall of France was imminent, except the French government. Like. Mm. The French government was like, we have the line. I can't remember the name of the line. You Imagine that line. Yeah, thank you. They're like, we're going to hold this and it's totally going to work. And like all of France is like getting ready for like, well, we're about to become German. Maybe we should get out of here. <laughs> and yeah, including Lion, um, not Lion's house, Lion's, uh, whatever. Abte's wife, I believe, is in England at this point. Right. So they give her her first assignment. They want to know if Mussolini is going to join Hitler, if he's going to join the Axis forces. It's hard to imagine in retrospect that anything else could have happened, but it was actually an unknown at the time. And considering Franco didn't, right? Right. There was not actually an assumption that all of the fascist countries would fight on the same side. So she goes over to the Italian embassy. They like her there. They trust her. After all, (laughs) she backed Mussolini's invasion of Ethiopia. Right. Yeah. And she gets information out of a guy, I think by negging him. Oh, yeah. Just like, 
Oh, y'all can do that shit. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah, you couldn't do that shit. Your biceps are looking kind of weak, bro. Do you even like lift with your tries? Yeah. yeah. I bet you. I bet. I bet you're not going to join any any Nazi alliance. You know, yeah. but I bet you couldn't. Do, you just wouldn't be that kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she talks them into joining Hitler. Away from I your mean, conscience. yeah. But yeah, and he, this guy like basically like whispers to her like, "Oh no, we're totally going to join Hitler." And so she goes and it's like, oh, yeah, totally. Uh, th- that's interesting. I'm a nobody. There's no reason I would tell anyone that. And apparently at this point, she's that's like, so hot, babe. Yeah. <laughs> like, flex at me a bit. Speak yeah. Nazi to me, honey. <laughs> and she, like, is literally writing the notes on her, like, arm. Like, she's in school, you know? Yeah. Because and then when people are like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, not in, not the people she's spying on, but like not later. Spying, but not spying, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> when people are like, how do you get away with that? She's like, I'm Josephine Baker. Like, no yeah. one's going to second guess me. So it works. I do and this stuff all the time. She's, <laughs> yeah. And so she's the one who breaks the news to the allies that um, Mussolini is going to join the Axis powers. <laughs> and this is really fucking bad news, but it's also really important news for the allies to have. And next up, they're like, all right, what about Japan? What's Japan going to do? Because Japan at the time is like, what? Joining Axis? We would we, we would never do that. No. That's like not our thing. This is shortly after Stalin had made a deal with Hitler because we cannot go an episode right. without bringing up the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. It's oh, in no. my contract with Cool Zone Media. Yeah, that's one of my favorite pacts. Yeah. Top five pacts. <laughs> easy, easy. Yeah. And... The Allies are basically like, all right, well, Germany, Italy, and Russia are all on one side. Uh We're kind of in trouble here, right? If Japan joins, we're kind of just entirely fucked. Um, Right. Yeah, but they'd never do that. No, they would never do what? Yeah. Which kind of like, I mean, looking at it, I'm like, if Germany hadn't betrayed Russia by invading it, would the Nazis have won the war? I know this yeah, is like absolutely. no, it was all the Americans yeah. and the British. Oh, right. Come on, yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things. Also, if they had just like stopped, uh, like not instituted the Battle of Britain, not invaded Russia, focused on Northern mm-hmm. Africa, yeah, it's potentially like a at least a situation where they can hold on to European dominance and probably a big chunk of the Mediterranean too. Yeah. Yeah, but it was all because you know the people who won were strong and brilliant and clever, and not at all because uh, Nazis made mistakes. Yeah, right. Uh, not, Nazi, you know, it's complicated, but Nazis made a lot of mistakes. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were in a pretty good position after the fall of France. It would have been really hard to dislodge them if they hadn't have done a bunch of really stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's like parts in this that are like, as I'm reading about it all, I'm like, oh, this. This was closer than I thought. I mean, it's obviously you look at some of it and you're like, oh, God, this is close, right? I don't know, whatever. There's just moments where it's like, well, it's also just that, and- like, there's, um, you know, there, there had been prior to the, the Nazi invasion, like, one of the reasons why Stalin has a series of panic attacks is that, like, the Germans, even before the Nazis took over in the Weimar years, had a pretty mm-hmm. long history post war of collaborating and training with the, uh, the Red Army. Um, that's who, okay. like, as the German military was rearming after World War One, because they're a pariah nation and because the Soviets are a pariah nation, they're doing like combined arms training together uh, for a single oh, chunk of the 1930s. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Huh. Yeah, it's it's it like they had like it's much it, 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 like the kind of collaboration between the two countries actually go back both further than the Nazis coming to power and significantly further than the Molotov Ribbentrop Pact. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so so she's trying to find out Josephine's trying to find out if Japan's going to join the war and fuck everything up. I mean, spoiler right. alert. Japan was on the Axis side of World War II, um, for anyone who's not familiar with that part of it. So Josephine, she's tight with the Japanese ambassador's wife. In a almost like, like she calls her her sister. This is when, when she went back to the U.S. and she was getting kicked out of all these hotels. Oh, that she was, was the friend. That was the friend, is the Japanese ambassador's wife. So she's in with the Japanese embassy. But she would have to leverage and betray that trust in order to find out what Japan is going to do in the war. Man. So she does. Yeah, right to us. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. You know. I don't feel like it is. I feel like it's a hard choice, but it's a very obvious one. Yeah, like, I mean. Yeah, if there's a good situation to betray your friend, it's when they side with the Nazis mm-hmm. in World War II. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A little bit of a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. Like, USSR is over here being like, oh, thank God Finland joined the Axis power, so the Winter War makes us look like we were on the right yeah. side. Um, <laughs> so, she leverages her connections with the Japanese ambassador to find out that, yes, Japan is going to join the Axis powers, so she passes that along, too. And the war itself is kicking off at this point. Uh, Germany and the USSR did their joint invasion of Poland in September 1939. And Mm. it seems like most of France is like, I think we're just going to kind of lose, which is in fact what ends up happening. But for a little while, for eight months, you have this quote unquote phony war. And it's eight months of not much happening on the Western front. The Western powers have declared war, but they aren't really doing much besides economic actions. Um, The war, of course, wasn't phony on the Eastern front. Although in some ways the Eastern Front yeah. didn't exist yet, because one, one of my favorite facts. Mm-hmm. So the pho- the phony war is one thing it's called. The other nickname they had for it was the Sitzkrieg. Yeah, right. And actually, this whole time, Josephine is complaining about the Sitzkrieg basically because her whole thing is she's like trying to. She doesn't succeed, obviously. She's trying to get France and England to just fucking invade Germany. It's <laughs> just like. Let's right. go. Let's but, do but, it. Hang on, like, how is she one person trying to do this? I, is the this doesn't have any impact. Because I'm Josephine making that kind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's, like, pulling strings. I think she's just making it clear that her opinion is, but we're at war, let's destroy them. Yeah, like, she has a fairly, like, simple, she does incredibly complicated strategy all the time. But it's just like, she's just like, well, let's just fucking do the thing. Is like, often seems to be her... Her strategy in a very effective way. And the war, of course, isn't phony on the Eastern Front. There's refugees pouring out of everywhere. It's also not phony to French civilians who are pouring away from the border with Germany. Mm-hmm. Josephine was not willing to just to just do behind the scenes shit. She's like, well, I can fly a plane. I like giving people stuff. <laughs> so on Christmas 1939, she signs up with the Red Cross and flies aid to the refugees, goes on a bunch of different missions. Ace. Yeah. What? Flying across enemy lines to refugees Absolutely in Eastern Europe, based. I think. Yeah. yeah. She starts performing for the troops as well, which is most of what people know about her wartime activity because a lot of the other stuff was undercover for a very long time. Right. 
she starts singing this anthem that she'd actually written a while earlier. Uh, J'ai deux amours. I have two loves. And her two loves Ooh. are Paris and her country. And I think this means the USA, although it's kind of funny because she hates the USA. I sort of... Right. My first read was, I have two loves, Paris and my country. And I kind of like it because I like the fact that Paris doesn't consider itself part of France. It's like always amused me. Yeah. You can like London and the rest of the UK. It's a different place. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's kind of like the rest of the UK and England. They would like to be different places. Yeah, it's like Texas and the rest mm. of the United States. Yeah. Would prefer to be different places. But if you would prefer to be different and stand out from the crowd... You can do so by having the same stuff as other people who stand out from the crowd mm-hmm. by purchasing stuff from our fine advertisers. What? How'd I do? Is that going to work? We're going to, we're going to make no, the yeah, stuff good. bucks. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Big stuff is, uh, is investing. Excellent. Excellent. Here's some ads. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. And we're back. So, she started writing songs for the British troops who were stationed in sad bunkers on the Western Front. She started writing a bunch of songs in English about, like, I didn't write down the titles of it, but they're like, I I don't know, I miss London, (laughs) everything's sad. I don't don't actually remember. But she writes a bunch of songs for the, the British people who are, like, sitting around in the Sitzkrieg. I really like this name. I'm going to use that all the time now. All of the times in my life when I talk about the phony war. I bet there was like in at least in every, in every one of those bunkers, there was one person who kept doing that. He just wouldn't let it go. Yeah, Ten totally. times day, Creek. Have you heard this? <laughs> yeah. that's, actually, that's, that's actually where they started the real war. No, they just yeah. sent that guy into no man's land as a oh, scout. No. <laughs> and then he came back successfully. He's actually the real hero. We're going to pivot to him. No. Um, Right. So she starts working. So she's flying missions. She's, she's writing songs. She's done all this spying. She starts working at soup kitchens for the Red Cross and her presence cheers everyone up. And she's doing two things here. Well, okay. As a, as mutual aid, she's doing two things. She was directly materially helping people, right? 
Um, she was also cheering people up. Her presence. I mean, she's like, I don't know, who's a famous person? She's Josephine Baker. She's turning up. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, famous Beyonce. If Beyonce is like, right, you know, um, feeding also people. Also, an anti-fascist spy. Yeah. Do we know that she's not? I Probably wouldn't yes. out she's her. Very busy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think her mutual aid work was entirely sincere, but it was also a great cover for spying because. Germany's spy apparatus has been pouring spies into France and it has been for like a decade now, right? Like building up towards this shit, but it's just, it's just ramping up more and more and more. And they're going from like a couple dozen arrests of spies per week to like hundreds of arrests of spies per week. And there's just more that keep pouring in. And so she is hanging out at the, like, she's just fucking trying to figure out who's a spy constantly. Meanwhile, she divorces her husband. Husband number three. Yeah. Yeah. Stage. So the Forney War doesn't last. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember why she divorced him. Um, oh, he's cheating on her. Right. And this is before right. she's cheating on him, actually. Uh, his affair was when they started falling out. And then also she miscarries, and which unfortunately she does multiple mm -hmm. times during her life. Um, and she's, she's very mm -hmm. sad about it. So the Forney War didn't last. And for the West, it soon went from phony war to Germany took over the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, and France. Mm -hmm. Germany just kind of fucked them up with new tactics and new weapons. And methamphetamine, you know, don't, uh, don't, 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 you know, uh, don't, this is, this is, mm -hmm. this is amphetamine erasure, Margaret. I'm I, sorry. Uh, I'm surprised I'm sorry. at you. Well, considering um, our main sponsor is methamphetamines. That's right. Yeah. Um, the only productivity method. Crystal meth. Do you know how many fibers are in your coat? <laughs> I do not. Crystal meth. Count the tiles in your bathroom. <laughs> so the, the methods invent. No, I'm not going to phrase it that way. Uh, so the Germans invade France and the French yeah, government looking for <laughs> copper wire. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a bunch of spun out dudes being like, look, man, France has a shitload of copper. We grab this shit. We take it back home. We can be fucking lit up for weeks. See, that would rule if that's what they had done. If it was yeah. like the scroungers army and they just like poured in and ripped out all the wire and then went yeah. home. Yeah. Like, just taking Sudafed from France's many pharmacies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what the S's and SS stand for, man. We need yeah. pseudo. <laughs> exactly. But the French government said, I regret that I have but one Sudafed to leave in my wake <laughs> so that the enemy the is distracted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they flee. The, the American ambassador, apparently, William Bullitt. This was like basically a side note in this book I was reading, but it's fucking weird. He took William over. William Bullitt. William Bullitt took over Paris. He's not <laughs> French. Sorry. American names are very soon. No, I know. And it's funny because this is not a normal American name. But <laughs> William Bullitt's not. A, that's like that's like the if you're like, I don't know, like, like a Japanese film producer making a racist stereotype movie about America. <laughs> that's what you call <laughs> one of the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, call him yeah. William Bullet. Yeah, <laughs> William Bullet, Johnny Gun, Ted AR fifteen. Yeah, the 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 American characters. Also, yeah. also, come on, that guy's like everybody clearly refers to that guy as Bill Bullet. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, you're right. You're right. But William. Bullet. <laughs> yeah. And he insists. He's like, if I it's knew William. a guy named it's William. William Bullet and he didn't want me to call him William Bullet, I would, I would refuse. Bill <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call you Bill Bullet. Like, yeah. like, I'm not calling right, you yeah. William. That's yeah. much less fun. Yeah. So Billy Two anyway. Guns, he takes over governing the city. Uh, he apparently finds a phone, like one functioning phone, and he like calls Berlin and he's like, Hey, we're like not resisting. Could you please not murder everyone when you show up? Yeah. Oh. Fair enough. Call that an open city. Yeah, that specifically, yeah. They refer to it as an open city. Um, and so Josephine could have fled. She was a superstar and she was arguably still a U.S. citizen since her marriage and citizenship in France were sort of contested because of the whole uh, marriage issue. Um, she did not flee. They, she absolutely could have been like one of the people on like the last planes out, right? And instead, she keeps doing her thing in the city. She's performing. She walks like 10 miles uphill each way from her chateau to the Red Cross Center to keep feeding people. She keeps performing. And then after performing, goes and volunteers more. Oh, this is where the meth comes in. How could one possibly? Anyway, yeah, she just basically works tirelessly. France is sort of abandoned. Uh, no one really had made enough plans. This is according to this book I read. I have a feeling when I start doing more stuff on partisans, people will be like, hell, yeah, hell no. Here were all our plans and stashes of guns. But at least from an organizational, like governmental level, people hadn't really made enough plans to fight back, um, hadn't really made enough plans about like what would happen if France fell. And the intelligence agency with a French name, I'm bad at pronouncing, was definitely caught in disarray. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't set up a rear guard to keep up the fight. They didn't evacuate or burn their files in a timely manner. They managed to get some of them out all at the last minute. A whole ton of files, actually, See, literal tons. should have been using Signal. Just keep that auto delete on. Yeah, I know. I was about to say that. That's Shoddy. what happens when you don't Shoddy. take enough mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have it yet to, to capture off of the Germans. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they 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 store tons of files in a dairy among cheeses in central France, but. <laughs> other tons of files they just like put on the last train out of france and so the nazis are like yo stop this train or we'll shoot you and they're like okay and so then they come on and they just take all the files and then the government the german nazis get all the fucking files from the fucking french fbi and And they kept this in a cheese warehouse yeah yeah the ones that got out Mm mm-hmm this is so bits of this do sound like it's being written to make fun of french yeah, by a drunk person who knows very, very little about European history apart from stereotypes. Like, oh, where will the French store their files in a... Or just, like, this is what happens at the end of a writer's room when everyone's very, very tired and just wants to go home. Like, I don't know, cheese warehouse. The cowboy guy sends the files to the cheese warehouse, like, see you all tomorrow. Which is basically what's happening, is everyone's very tired and wants to go home, but instead the Germans right. are invading. Also, one thing that the French forgot to do was do something with all of the German spies they had arrested. Hmm. So they're just all in prison. And then the Nazis come in and say, oh, hello, Franz. Welcome to not prison. By the way, who were all the people who arrested you? Tell us who all the spies are. Right. (laughs) So uh, a lot of French spies get executed right off because the Nazis capture all their files and shit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They don't capture anything about Josephine Mm -hmm. at this point. And so Josephine, 
she vows to never perform in France for the Nazis. And unlike... But she must have been in so much danger, though. Absolutely. Even if they hadn't found out about, oh about her spying. They, they personally hate her. Goebbels has like specifically yeah, been like, right. Josephine Baker is... I don't like her. She's mean or whatever. She, <laughs> she called me. She looked at me funny once in the <laughs> supermarket. But she does have one advantage. Uh, fantastic amounts of money. And she happens to be already renting a, uh, or possibly owning, I don't know how it, it refers to as renting, but she has a fucking medieval castle in southern France. Of course she does. Yeah. It's cool, but it, it is hard to hide. Not a safe house. Right. And so what she does is she doesn't hide. She hides the fact that she's a spy. So she takes off to her medieval chateau in southern France, and it takes Germany a while to take all of France, you know? You have, like, they're kind of, like... There's a decent amount of France there. It's quite big. Yeah. 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 It's not a... It's not a Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, And prepper queen that she is, she fills her car with champagne bottles full of gasoline that she's been hoarding. Oh, boy. So that she can make the trip if the gas stations are gone. Hey, bonus, if you run into trouble on the road, you've already got your Molotovs. Yeah. What's that called? Champagne bottle Molotovs. Yeah, Yeah. you are ready for a variety of situations. What's the quote from The Good Place? The quote from The Good Place, uh, if you ever have a problem, throw a Molotov at it, and now you have a different problem. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So she oh, had the same problem, but on fire. Yeah, yeah. totally. So she gets out um, and it's possible. I think she's like helping bring a bunch of um, a bunch of folks. She knows, I think mostly Jews out with her at this time. Um, I've read one thing that's like, and she got a whole bunch of uh, Jewish folks down to her chateau. And another one that was like, she put her solid gold or like her gold piano in one of the trucks or whatever. I've read a bunch of different takes on how she gets how out. How many trucks? Was I don't know. <laughs> There's one version where it's one car full of champagne Molotovs and another one where it's like three trucks full of pianos. I don't know the answer. German troops bomb the road as people flee because they suck. They're Nazis. Yeah, well. She makes it to her fucking castle. And she's friends with the locals because she's just friends with everyone. Everyone likes her. She's genuinely charming and cares about people. And so she winds up in this resistance fighting cell that was pulled together as a unit from like the local people of the town and like the groundskeepers and shit at her fucking castle. The, the local blacksmith ran a clandestine radio tower out of her castle to keep contact between the resistance and England. Her. That's just a brilliant sentence. Yeah, totally. Uh, her farmhand on the grounds, who was a pole who'd fled the blitzkrieg. He dies running messages. the, the man who ran the local train station, he has a, a wooden leg from fighting in World War One, and the Germans like show up and are like asking him questions. I think about Josephine Baker, and he's basically like, you see this wooden leg? Fuck you. <laughs> and they, they shoot him, but the, he also doesn't tell them anything. And she gathers up a crew, including a ton of Jewish folks that she's rescued, that she maybe drove down, and she fills her castle with guns. Which is a... <laughs> A good thing. This is, I just wish I, this is amazing. And she plants a tobacco plant. Were you about to say you wish you had been there? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it would have gone badly. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but. But I would have been in a castle full of guns. So it's like, 
<laughs> we all die sometime, you know? She planted a tobacco plant by the entrance to the castle in memory of her enslaved, fairly recent ancestors who had been forced to grow it. Um, she helps a whole bunch of Jewish folks hide out. I think like more people are showing up. France officially surrenders, agreed to become a Nazi puppet state, the Vichy, on June 25th, 1940. They pay 40 million francs to the Nazis every fucking day. Resistance is an mm. instant death penalty. And the Dujemay, they didn't sell out and become Nazis, fortunately. They did the resistance thing instead. Technically, legally, they were beholden to the Vichy. They just didn't do it. Right. Yeah. And so now they're the only good feds, which are illegal feds fighting against Nazis. Mm -hmm. And this is, you remember how they were like stealing money from the Germans by running fake spies <laughs> all at the beginning of this? Yeah. This is when they bust that out because their Amazing. official resources have dried up, but they've set aside this rainy day fund. And they make friends with one other important anti-Nazi force that is often overlooked in history books. The Mafia. Yeah. <laughs> so they're fairly good at finding German spies. This is the main thing that they do, right? Is that they counter-spy and find spies. So then they turn... But now you're not going to arrest spies. You're not the government anymore. And also it didn't really work well when you just arrested Nazi spies. Right. So these two anti-Nazi crime enforcers, whose names were Big Louis and Little Pierre. Oh, yes. No, they oh, weren't. That's, no, they that's, those are good Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Oh, man. You love to see it. Never change crime, guys. Never change. Never change. See, this is this is my family. Like th th this is the side that I'm uh, that I'm proud of. Look, on one side of my family, yeah. I don't know. There were white people in America for a while. Probably not a great story. But the <laughs> other side of my family mobbed up as hell, and yeah. nothing nothing problematic ever came from the mafia. Well, yeah, of course. And Big, Big Louis, little Pierre, and uh, medium someone in between. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Big Louie and Little Pierre might have been cousins. No way to know. <laughs> no, just Goldilocks. <laughs> the one in the middle is just named Goldilocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big Louie, apparently, specifically, he has these quotes about how he was like, look, I've done some bad stuff in my life, but I want to make my grandma proud. There we go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And so he just murders Nazi spies. Mm -hmm. You love to see it. Her handler boyfriend shows up at her castle unannounced, right? Because everything is completely in disarray. There is no, like, MI5 or 6 or 7 or 8 is um, referring to themselves as, like, blind at this point. They've lost their eyes in France. Right. And so her handler boyfriend shows up unannounced. He has a new name and a new identity card. His name is Jack Sanders, and he's an American. That is also a pretty American name. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Be like, why did you write your middle name as American? Uh, nothing. Jack American. <laughs> and it does. It sounds like a brand of crackers or something like that. Or that's like true in multiple ways. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do. I do like the idea of like a British spy pretending to be an American and then like in the tense moment of the movie, giving himself up and he refers to French fries as chips. Every one of the rooms is like, <laughs> yeah. but Chuck Montana, you were doing such an amazing job. 
Which state did you say you were from, Mr. Montana? <laughs> One of the M1. Yeah. Wait, that's a road in Birmingham. South was southern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Says the name of this town. And then he like slides across a, paper, a piece of paper that just ha- has Luton written on it. Oh, right. <laughs> Leicester. Or Loughborough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally any town in in the UK yeah. <laughs> would break his Loughborough, cover. Which, which Australians call uh, Luga Baruga, I've heard, which is amazing. That's ad- adorable. I really hope it's true. <laughs> adorable. Luga Baruga. I mm-hmm. one time was um, hanging out with Laurie in London and I couldn't stop laughing. I was sleep deprived from the flight <laughs> and I was on the subway. <laughs> And the subway in London is just full of fake names yes. that are all designed to make Americans laugh while they're sleep deprived. Nonsense. Cockfosters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, the thing is that the train line goes to Cockfosters. So sure. every single stop, it says this is a Piccadilly line train mm. to Cockfosters. And all of the not English people on the train completely lose their yeah. shit. It's very delightful. It makes it makes going to pick someone up at the airport on the train completely worth it. Yeah, everyone has a great time. Yeah, and also nobody I know has ever been to Cockfosters. I don't think it's real. No, I. Why would it be real? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's no. just it's sex like beer. Cincinnati. I don't believe it happens. I don't believe anyone's really there. Well, is this just in a fake state, Iowa? It's probably, Ohio. Yeah, it's probably a tax scheme of some sort. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jack Sanders has shown up. The U.S. is still neutral. So, being the U.S. is like actually a thing that one would do as a spy. Whereas, very soon, well, not very soon from France's point of view, <laughs> right. but they wish we came in a lot sooner. The Nazis Late are after him. War. I know. I know. Uh, there's a big ocean. Late. Yeah. Um, swinging a baseball bat. So the Nazis were after him because of all the files that got <laughs> turned over to the Nazis. You know? And eventually more spies show up at her castle. And her castle becomes, I think, the center of resistance on a spycraft level at the time. It's like kind of the center of where the French intelligence like rebuild, as far as I can tell. There's like other places they're doing it, including in the heart of it all, like Vichy. Um, so, like the French Resistance is rebuilding in a in Josephine Baker's castle, full of refugees, and spies, guns. and guns, and a cheetah, a goat, and a pig. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 I, in my head, Ken and they made it. It's but please don't tell me otherwise. I just don't want to know. There's positive news about all the animals. <laughs> um, and it, I think it's. I don't know whether it's. I, I have a feeling when I start studying the French resistance more, I'm going to start running into the more like partisans on the ground stuff. And it's going to be a little bit more distracted yeah. from this, but from a like intelligence point apparatus point of view. Yeah. As far as I can tell. And a blacksmith running a radio tower is how they communicate with England. <laughs> Thank you for saying it again. It pleased me so much. The first yeah. time. So French Nazis, uh, AKA Vici guys, or maybe it's actually a regular Nazi at this point. Some dude shows up at the castle and he's right. like, I want to see Josephine Baker. I hear there's guns in here. And uh, so all the resistance people like go fuck down, fuck off down to the dungeons because it's a castle and go hide like a scene. That out of the what movies. Yeah. I've, yeah. I guess literally. Huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. So these like leather daddies wearing all black show up and are like hail Hitler. 
and present her with a search warrant. And she talks to the main guy and she yells at him for invading France. Huh. And <laughs> I mean, you know, this that- helps prove that she has nothing to hide. She's not afraid of him. Yeah. So he pokes around for a little bit and is like, you have been warned. I can't do an accent. Um, <laughs> and, you know, fucks off. Soon after, I think the next day. Okay, so there's this Jesuit priest resistance guy. And his name is Father Victor, Victor Dillard. And he's up in Vichy. Mm-hmm. And he sends them maps of where all the German Air Force stuff is. Like where they're staging for all the, the blitz and all of that. Where they're bombing the shit out mm-hmm. of England. Yeah. And he has decrypted where all of the defenses are for all of the shit that's bombing England. Um, it also includes a list of all the German spies in England, plans for a possible Nazi invasion of Ireland based on arming the IRA and teaching them how to blow mm-hmm. stuff up in exchange for helping invade England. Yep. Because the IRA was on the wrong side yeah. of this one. Well, that's, a, you know, again, just kind of like with what we were talking with the Soviets, that also goes back further than the Nazis. In, uh, in, during World War One, right before the Easter Rising, there was yeah. a, a German ship full of guns that got captured by the British bef- like right before it was able to deliver said guns to the IRA for an uprising. So the Imperial mm-hmm. Germans. Yeah. Um, cause like, we I actually mean, cover that on one of our episodes about... Um, oh, good. Oh, God. What's his name? The gay Irish knight, Roger Casement. Yeah. Um, he was the one who arranged for that shipment of guns. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Which is so funny because I'm like, Roger Casement, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I, like, I mean, like Imperial Germany, Imperial England, like they're all kind of morally not, not yeah. wildly different it's, from one another. But the Catalans is not morally irreproachable people who did absolutely great stuff all the time and it wasn't yeah. complicated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this is the information that father Victor Dillard has gotten. Um, he doesn't re-enter the story. So just, he dies in Dachau, Dachau uh, a couple of years Dachau. later. Dachau. He dies in Dachau yeah. in 1945, yeah. um, which is a, yeah. That's a sad. bummer. So they get this information, right? But they get it as like a really sketchy way. This like super spycraft way where this, well, not this very spycraft way. This guy shows up and he's like, I got to see Josephine Baker. And people are like, this is the same day after the Nazis came here. This is a trap. Finally, Josephine Baker's like, what's up? And he's like, I've got like news for you from, from Father Victor Dillard. I've got all this stuff. Let me give you these papers. And she's like, no, I've never heard of the resistance. I have no idea what you're talking about. And they send him away because they don't trust him. And what they do is the local chief of police is like kind of on their side. Well, is on their side. So they call him and they're like, arrest this guy. And they go and they arrest him and they like interrogate him basically. <laughs> and then they decide like, all right, this guy's for real. Um, and he had actually, amazing. before he left the castle, he had hidden the papers in the castle and then left. Huh. So they almost turn away like the most important fucking information. Right. But yeah. So they have all this crazy information and they're like, we have to get this to the allies. This is before they have the tower set up and all that shit. And so the crew decides that while the rest will stay and fight, she and her boyfriend Handler needed to get to Lisbon in Portugal to get these documents to Britain. I would say to get them to the Allies, but Britain's alone, I think, at this point. <laughs> this is the I part. I mean, we do have a massive, massive empire. That's true. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Look, I mean, the, the story, 
sorry it's mm-hmm. just like i feel the urge no. to correct the record here that we're all we always talk about it as like ah oh, plucky little island stands mm-hmm. alone it's like we did have a giant empire and actually quite a lot of um people yeah. were recruited to, to fight alongside us it, it probably didn't make much of a difference to ordinary londoners being yeah. um you know hammered by the blitz because no. again when people talk about england particularly when americans mm-hmm. uh, even like you know americans with very decent policies politics will talk about England and talk about the British when they mean the British ruling classes. Yeah. And yeah. that's never been the total experience of no. the English, let alone the British. And like the, 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 it's always been the them. Yeah. It's them, are the, uh, but like colonialism always starts at home. Yeah. And uh, they only, like, one of the reasons that we ever had to, or had to have an empire at all was that um, they exploited our, our working class just about as much as they could. Had to find where to ship the excess population so they could become white people. No, I mean that that makes sense, and I think one of the reasons white Americans with good politics do it is because they want an out where they're like, uh, I know we suck, but there's like one place that's worse, you yeah. know? Right, right. It's just it's bad, but we don't know this bit of our history um, as the collective British. We, we like uh, we talked about before, we're not taught it. Yeah, and um, it's this just giant howling in the public historical record, which is of course why people have been so upset over the last ten years when people started talking about the empire, just talking about it. Yeah, because it is incredible how much um, is not generally known. Even the recent history of Ireland. I mean, look, if we knew more about the recent history of Ireland, and look, you have people trying to negotiate the terms of the. Um, like the Northern Ireland border protocol who have no idea about the last few years of Irish history. It's, yeah. um, it's absolutely nuts. Rant over for now. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, I think that is really important. I think it is really important that we, when we talk about, I mean, even when we talk about like the Germans, right. You're like, well, yeah. Germany was the site of resistance against Nazis and million that i don't know i don't have the numbers off to my head a fuck ton of german people died at the hands of the nazis right and including yeah. all different types of people but if you want to not die <laughs> yes uh the products and services much like services, buried yes. with thousands of ram's heads if mm-hmm. you were an egyptian pharaoh purchasing these products and services will make you immortal you will never die if you buy these products and that's a guarantee I feel comfortable making because there's actually no way for you to sue me over it. <laughs> I, mm. So buy this phylactery. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. And we're back. So we're talking about how they have to get these documents to Lisbon. And so that they can get to, to Britain. She is the only person of their crew who can legitimately claim a, a reason to travel, right? Everyone else is like, like you're not supposed to leave France. Uh, anyone over 40 is not supposed to leave France because you could be leaving, under 40, sorry. Um, it's not right. supposed to leave because you could be going and joining an army or whatever. But like, really, they don't want anyone leaving. But if you're fucking Josephine Baker you got to perform. And so she was like, oh, we're going to go on the South American tour. We just have to go um, to, to, to Portugal. Yeah. And so they get Amazing. on a train down to Spain and she brings along her, her assistant. Did I say plane down to Spain? Slash handler. Train? Yeah. Slash handler slash boyfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is actually going to make this next part extra gross. Um, uh-huh. Because some of the information was encoded in secret, in secret ink, invisible ink, which at the time was primarily mm-hmm. semen. Um, what? I thought it was piss. I don't know. The book I was reading was said semen, and that the spies were all like embarrassed because they kept getting accused of being chronic masturbators because they would like <laughs> have to go make so some it, fucking. Oh, because like, like semen shows up on a blacklight, or so they're literally just writing and come. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking dope. I know. That's extremely I know. cool. <laughs> I I love that. <laughs> That's one of the most frantic wanking you can imagine. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. a really long document. Yeah. yeah, just sit back and think of England, because you need the to. The good news <laughs> is we got some great intel this week. The bad news is, man, I am shooting ghost loads. It is dust right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she writes on her sheet music, and her probably her boyfriend's come, of that song, Je Dois Moi, My Two Loves. Um just I think spying and come and she writes this all down but they also have the actual documents because it's not enough to just have the encoded stuff they need like the photos and shit so they put secret compartments in some of the suitcases and what they do is they bring a fuck ton of suitcases just a right. mountain of stuff yeah. because she's <laughs> fucking Josephine Baker yeah right and if she's found, she's 100% fucked, right? Because it's not just invisible ink semen stuff. It is, it is like, yeah. here's some photos of the ink where they're fucking, of the Air Force bases, right? And like right. how they're defended and shit. No one looks at her luggage. They all just stare at her. They ask her for autographs and shit. Uh, she makes it to Lisbon. They from a, get on a plane in, in somewhere in Spain. I'm not sure where and, and fly mm-hmm. to Lisbon. Lisbon is the espionage capital of the world just then because all of it's like neutral, but close to everything, you know? Um, Mm. and they pass on documents to some guy who's named Major Bacon, who also has a funny name. And this trip is what reforges. Yeah. This is okay. When I'm making the claim that like Josephine Baker saves the world or whatever. Right. And there's like plenty of people who you can say in world war two, save the world. Um, Bill Bullitt and Major Bacon. Right. Yeah. Now actually Bill, Bill Bullitt, all he did was like tell he, he, he just told, Berlin, that it's an open city. Please don't kill us. Right, for now. Yeah. 
But Major Bacon, who's British, I believe, this is what reforges the connection between French and British intelligence agencies and also is like, here's the information about the fucking Blitz. And that feels like real major shit, you know? Um, that feels like world event changing shit. And yep. So Josephine Baker saves the world. Uh, and then all the while she's giving radio interviews in Lisbon about like celebrity bullshit where she's like, oh, I'm here to sing, you know, um, which is cool. Like, I mean, her singing isn't bullshit. It's like really fucking good. Right. And they're like, all right, you've reforged these connections. We have arranged safe passage for you and your boyfriend handler to go to London and you can sit out the rest of the war. Well, unless London falls. Yeah, right. London, which is currently being massively bombed. But it's sure. true. Yeah. So Josephine Baker, she's like, no, I'm not going to run from a fight. Fuck that. She goes back to France. She goes back to her castle. Amazing. She go, shows back up and they're like, look, we know that you promised to not ever perform in Nazi France, but here's the thing. We're broke. And <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really sick if you got paid a whole bunch of money because you're like a superstar. And also your celebrity access to information is more important than your unvarnished reputation. So this is another thing that she burns. She burns her own credibility. This is great. Yeah. And so she starts performing. She has done like almost every role of a rebel besides like literally the murdering Nazis with their bare hands part. She's done mutual aid volunteering. She has done spy shit. She's smuggled documents. She's fundraises. She's provides sanctuary. She helps people escape. She like fucking does it all. Uh, propaganda. We'll talk more about that. She also, so now, okay, what's, what's her next trick? She smuggles folks out of the country. Uh, in particular, she smuggles two, two people out of the country. One is her old gay male lover, Fred Ray, who is her co-star in a lot of stuff back in the day. And he's openly gay and the Nazis are like, fuck this guy, we're going to fucking kill him, right? And he also had fought in the French Foreign Legion against the Nazis, which is like, so now they right. double don't like him. And another is a German-Jewish film producer, uh, Rodolphe Solmsen, who had already fled Germany with his family. And so Fred and Rodolphe and his family, they're going to go flee, and they're going to go to Morocco, uh, ostensibly to perform again. But But it's more than that. North Africa is the next theater opening in the war, and she needs to be where she's useful. Also, the Nazis were onto her, kind of. They were like... Right. I think they weren't onto her as a spy yet. That's going to come in about a year or so. But they're like on a fuck this lady tip. And so they blacklist her. And so she needs to get the fuck out before they arrest her. She right. can't. She cancels the last bit of her shows in Marseille. Uh, and she gets on a steamer along with a Great Dane, three monkeys, and two <laughs> mice. Hell two yeah. mice. Hell yeah. She's fantastic. Everyone is like, what are you doing? Leave the animals. And she's like, no. What are you doing? Josephine Bacon. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I want. Yeah. And it kind of works in that, like, her, she's not going to fly under the radar. So she flies over the radar, you know? Yep. Or breaks through the radar or whatever. And my metaphor doesn't work great, but she gets to Africa and she's immediately arrested by Vichy police <laughs> for breach of contract. Because she owed three more shows to the fucking people in Marseille. Oh my god. It takes her like a week to sort that one out because it's not a we're gonna murder you crime, you know? Yeah. She's rescued her, her friends and herself. She then immediately sits to work 
using her connections to get passports for Jews fleeing Europe. Then she gets sick as fuck. Uh, Paranatitis, which is basically stomach is bad to squeamish folks like me. Yeah. She spends 18 months in the hospital in the middle of all this shit. At one point, she's so close to death that the poet Langston Hughes in Chicago writes her obituary and published it by accident because everyone thought she was dead. Uh, He'd written that she was, quote, as much a victim of Hitler as the soldiers who fall today in Africa fighting his armies, the Aryans drove Josephine away from her beloved Paris. Josephine had to write a retraction to her own obituary, saying, quote, There has been a slight error. I am much too busy to die. Nice. It's fucking it's really classy. Yeah. This was like the, the that whole like five, six year period was like the golden age for one liners. Some 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 yeah. really truly incredible lines. Yeah. Oh god, the my favorite. But ever there's is a missed the, opportunity to fake your own death, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, like do you want to be a spy or not? But no, we're moving on now. No, it's all right. Um so her hospital room becomes a resistance center for spies because they can meet there. Right. Because they're under the pretense of visiting Josephine Baker, because like lots of people are coming and visiting. So while she's sick, she gathers information about North Axis, North African Axis defenses, about the tides, and helps pave the way for Operation Torch when the Allies fuck up Axis forces in North Africa and the US gets involved a little bit more directly in the war, mm-hmm. I believe. So 18 months, she gets out. And she goes on to start passaging messages back and forth as she travels across North Africa, performing to raise money and performing for the troops. And the main way that she's carrying information is invisible ink on her sheet music. And then the other thing is um, (laughs) notes pinned inside her underwear because she's like, I'm Josephine Baker. No one's going to strip search me. And she's right. The entire war goes by and no one strip searches her. And she's like, you know who else sucks besides Germany? The fucking U.S. Army. It's segregated. Mm-hmm. So she refuses to play for a segregated army and only will play when the black and white soldiers sit together. This is amazing. Also, that local awesome. folks, like North African folks, are allowed to attend her performances. At one point, cool. she's singing and performing for the troops and the base they're at is bombed and then there's a bombing raid on the base. She doesn't stop singing because they're like, oh, we've got to get you out of here. And she's like, well, the soldiers can't leave, so I'm not fucking leaving. Also based. And the other thing, she is doing all of this out of her own pocket because there's no money for troop entertainment. So she, she just burns 10 million francs of her own money to travel the world being a spy performing for troops. So she works as a diplomat. She's talking with people across Northern Africa about why they should support the Allies. Specifically, she helps connect the free forces of France with Egyptian stuff. I don't really know enough about the course of the war to say how influential this is. I just like straight up mm-hmm. don't know. By 1942, it is clear that the Nazis are onto her. She keeps going. She's less of a spy at this point, and she is just and just gets quotes because it's still fucking amazing. An entertainer and a fundraiser for the war effort. The leader of Free France gives her a fancy bejeweled medal at some point. There's like all of the like people keep listing off her medals and all of the articles, but I never care about that. So and, and so I don't pay attention. So I didn't write them down. <laughs> gives her a fancy bejeweled medal for her service in 1943. So the next time she's in Beirut, she auctions it off to raise money for the resistance. Great. And in 1944, 
She joins the Free French Air Force properly and becomes a second lieutenant. Uh, this is an all-women unit, and I think it's mostly for propaganda purposes, and I'm not entirely certain. I wasn't able to, like, find more information about that. I mean, she can fucking fly, right? She's a pilot. Right. She's flown missions with the Red Cross for refugees. And she's flying along as the Allies march into Axis territory and start liberating camps. She's, like, flying along, and she starts performing for refugees and for Holocaust survivors as they, like, are freed from concentration camps. And, and it's kind of, I don't know, I just, I think it's fucking cool. So when Paris was retaken, she goes and she just sells all of her jewelry and shit and raises money and gives it directly to poor folks. It's no longer now that like Paris is retaken and all, like now that the war is fucking winding down, she's not like, oh, I'm going to give all my money to like the military effort or whatever. She's just like, or the French government. She just like directly gives it to poor people. You're already thinking about putting things back together. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And she burns her entire fortune during the course of the war. She like actually puts it all on the line in her life and uh, even her fucking reputation by playing her fucking Nazis to raise money and get info. It's so brave. Yeah. In some ways that's the bravest bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, because like if she had died before that and no one knew that she was like a cool, super cool spy, it would have been like, oh, she was cool. And then like... I don't know. And then she started performing for the Nazis and sold out. Yeah, totally. And for somebody who has, like, like right at the beginning, we were talking about different ways of telling a story. And she clearly wanted to own it and to make up things about herself again and again and be in charge of it. So to, to risk that the yeah. last story people would have about her was really, really awful is, is just the bravest thing a person like that can do. Yeah. No, you're right. Because, I mean, she clearly isn't afraid of death. Like, you don't become a pilot or a spy because you're afraid of dying, you know? Or, or buy a cheetah. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm guessing, I don't know how long cheetahs live, uh, but I, I, I stopped hearing about Chiquita before she takes all of her animals over. So I'm, I'm, I'm presuming Chiquita lived a, a natural lifespan. And, like, and, and had a long, happy life somewhere yeah. else because cheetahs never die. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I meant to say. Yeah, totally. So, after the war, she goes back to performing, but she has a newfound seriousness. She rebuilds a lot of her famousness. Um, she kind of like, when I say struggles financially, I like, I don't know how much bothered she was by it or not, you know, but she's like, doesn't reach the same level of like, fuck off money. Right, yeah. But I think that that might be not as much important to her at this point anymore, you know. Uh, Just sort of discreetly leave money. Yeah. In 1951, she returns to the U.S., uh, not to live there, but to oh. to use her fame to force places to desegregate. This, wow. n- this nightclub in Miami was, like, segregated, and they were like, hey, we want you to come play here. And she's like, I'm not fucking playing for a segregated club. Fuck you. And they're like, we'll give you $10,000, which I don't have the, I forgot to do the money calculator, but it's like. It's about $40 million in modern money, yeah. Yeah, roughly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and. No matter how much money they offer her, she's not going to play for segregated audience. So they desegregate. And then she goes on a U.S. Brilliant. tour that went way the fuck better than last time she tried, you know, 25 years earlier or 15 years earlier. And mm. when she fought to desegregate the Stork Club, which is an old bougie asshole club in New York City, uh, some, assholes in the, some asshole in the press called her a communist. So the U.S. kicked her out of the country. Uh, right. <laughs> because 
even though they were getting slightly better about racism, they were really anti-communist. It was a it was a two steps forward, several other steps back sort of deal. Yeah. She was banned for 12 years. 1963, they lifted it. In 1966, she goes to Cuba and plays in Havana for actual communists. I have like no belief that Brilliant. she became a communist or something, but I think she she was about what she was about, you know? Yeah. And she worked for the NAACP in the US. Uh she spoke, she was the only official woman speaker at the 1963 March on Washington alongside Martin Luther King Jr. And she used the fact that she was the only woman who was like given a place to speak to invite other black women up to speak. And specifically Rosa Parks and Daisy Bates came up and gave small speeches basically like as part of her speech because she was like. This is so completely crazy. I can't believe when, when you were like, have you heard of Josephine Baker? I'm like, yeah, the dancer. Yeah, I, I know. Dancer. I know. And if you read yeah. all these articles She's about her, always <laughs> yeah. did the most based thing she could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when she spoke in 1963, she wore her free French uniform. Oh, God. That's just, so classy. Just unerringly yeah. based. Yeah. Like a, like a based seeking missile. Okay. There's going to be one little, I'll get to it. Um, this next part, isn't it? When, when Martin Luther King Jr. dies, his widow asked Baker if she would take his place as leader of the movement. Oh and boy. for the first time, she let her own safety influence her decision. She said her children were too young to lose their mother, and her first duty was to them. Because, now let's talk about her children, who kind of don't. Okay, so, she adopted 12 kids from around the world, huh. called them the Rainbow Tribe, in an okay. effort to show that, quote, Children of different ethnicities and religions could still be brothers. So she raised them all different religions, including not necessarily the religions that they would have been otherwise born into. Okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of criticism from adoptees today about the way that sure. adoption agencies work, especially around international right, adoptions yeah. and things like that. Mm -hmm. She also arranged tours of her chateau so that tourists could come see how happy her rainbow tribe was. And the kids would sing and dance for the tourists. Right. And then here's one part that I, I found one source and it confuses me. When one of her kids who is Argentinian was 15 and like came out as gay, she kicked him out of the house ah. and sent him back to Argentina. And it's really, that's a bummer. I don't, it, I believe yeah, I so, it. yeah. but it's like, and it's interesting cause she's bisexual. She, Saved this gay man's life on purpose, who was yeah, also she, her like, lover. Put her life yeah. in the line for this guy. Yeah, she also converted to Catholicism later in her life, and I don't know if those are related. Mm. Maybe she uh, just got left, yeah, debased. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I, as far as I can tell, her kids, who've now also mostly lived full, complete lives and died, um, I, I think her kids tend not to be her biggest fan about the way that she raised them. Right. Uh, you can't, you can't, you can't get it all right. Look. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and you can see where it's coming from and, and all the like singing and dancing shit. That's like what yeah. she fucking did and what she yeah. loved, you know? Yeah. So her last marriage, person. I know, I know we're, oh, it's not done. Oh, it, we're, it, we're, <laughs> this is the, the this is the winding down. Her last marriage was to an artist named Robert Brandy. He was about 30 years younger than her. It's referred to as a platonic marriage and it was never legally sanctioned it was in an empty church in mexico uh they kept it away from the press because they didn't want to deal with all the bullshit 
1975, she performed in Carnegie Hall, and there was a standing ovation before she came on stage, and she cried wow. because the night and day difference from her treatment the last time she tried to play Carnegie Hall, like you know, 30, 50, oh. whatever years earlier. That's a few days later, uh, at 68 years old, she slipped into a coma and died of brain oh. bad stuff. About 20,000 people showed up for her funeral procession in, pa- in Paris. She was wow. the first American woman buried in France with full military honors and a 21-gun salute. Damn. A few years ago, she was reburied in the Pantheon, France's Tomb of Heroes. And she's the first American uh, of any gender or race to be buried there, as well as the first pilot and as well as the first black woman. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> she just fucking did everything. He really did. <laughs> like... I feel like I need to start getting up earlier in the morning. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I will say she was probably exhausting to be around. It's just like, yeah. oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Smuggling shit via the air and spying on that. Look, you know, some of us, yeah. Are, you, do you ever just like, do you ever just, do you ever just stick around? Do you ever just yeah. think, no, I'm, I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah. I'm going to hang out with my monkey and dick around, play yeah. games with my cheetah and my goat mm-hmm. and my pig. And that's it. No, and the worst part is that somehow she still hand collected the snails to feed her ducks. Yes, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, that's like a full day oh. for me. Yeah, if I'm on snail duty. That's like eight hours here. Yeah. Oh no, they're not that fast. Famously. Yeah, that's true. Mine. Actually, snails' pace is, spe- is specifically referring to the pace at which one can find them and and put them in. The buckets. Right. I don't know if you knew the etymology of that. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. That's a true fact. True facts with Margaret. Yeah. So that's Josephine Baker. Hell yeah. Um, God. Backs. Who saved the world. It's an amazing story. Yeah. I like when you were talking about moments that saved the world. And it's funny. I wrote something um, a couple of years ago about alternate histories and how all these stories about alternate histories for kind of over 70 years, these histories of alternate histories, often when you go to the alternate future mm-hmm. or it goes to one, one moment that's changed and it always ends up in, if this had not happened, then the Nazis would have won the war or yeah. some other <laughs> yeah. weird fascist future. And it's always, I, I don't know, it's this anxiety that if, that we're always, I mean, I think particularly a few years ago, but this ongoing anxiety that we're just one little butterfly, butterfly wing flaps, so one little butterfly wings flap away from a fascist future. And I think like all these amazing individual stories, it doesn't make them less amazing or, and it doesn't make it more scary. The fact that all of them had to happen. Like right. a lot of people had to save the world. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a team effort. Um, that yeah. said, I mean, I think if we're if we're really drilling down into mm-hmm. it, it's less that like, um, you know, the, the I, I think the likelihood was always less that the Nazis will take over the world, and more that like the Nazis would not be forced out of power in Europe. Absolutely. Able to yeah. carry Holocaust to completion and all sorts of like a lot of really terrifying things that don't involve you know the third Reich invading Delaware. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's such a good point. And that's part of how like a lot of the, yeah. if the Nazis won is all about them taking over the U S because it's being written from an American audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I I did that. Yeah, when you're saying the world, I didn't realize you meant America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and sorry. That, and when I say yeah. America, I mean the United States of America, not the entire two continents that <laughs> share it, that got name. It, got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Forgot that. You know, you you British people don't realize that the world is entirely America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's oh, no, wait, wait, about wait, it by wait, some wait, Germans. We're actually. coming to reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's been so great talking to you guys. Yeah. Honestly, this is. Well, on on that note, do you have anything that if people enjoyed you here, how can people listen to more of what you do or watch your TV shows or read your books? <laughs> well, um, you can, I've, uh, I've written quite a few books. Uh, my, uh, my latest is called Sexual Revolution, and um, it's available from all good and a number of bad bookstores. Oh, and good. Um, I work uh, on various TV shows, um, including, uh, you might have seen The Haunting of Blind Manor, or Carnival Row, or a few other things I'm not allowed to talk about yet. And uh, but also you can you can find my writing online uh, on the Bluebird site at Penny Penny Red, and um, on Substack and lots of other places. Honestly, if you just Google me, see what comes up first. It'll be whatever people are most interested in. So I don't know. I, I it's lazy of me to trust the algorithm, but I'm I'm I'm, very, I'm not as tired as Josephine Baker. <laughs> but I'm quite sleepy because it's 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 um uh one thirty in the morning here. Well, you were stayed up late because of the blitz that still is going on. Well, no, no, that's just general my state. Oh, okay. It's not going on still, but mm. that's how time works. You see. Interesting. But you should come and visit just to check. Yeah, no, I, I probably should. Uh, Sophie, do you have anything you want to plug for Cool Zone Media? Uh, yeah, I am Sophie Lichterman. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find me on the internet uh, at www.vice.com. That's my personal website. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, I, I love I love the Celtics, which I call the Celtics. Yeah, that's important. That's how we know that you're a spy. If you want to find me on the internet, I'm at Magpie Killjoy on Twitter. Oh, the thing I want to plug is that all of June 2023, depending on when you're listening to this, I will be kickstarting a game called Penumbra City. It's a tabletop role-playing game where you can drive around on motorcycles that are likely to explode and fight against the God King and do all kinds of actually fairly like Roaring Twenties kind of stuff, but with more what? magic. So you can oh back my God, that. Oh my this sounds brilliant. Can I play it? Yes, you can. Um, but only you. Everyone else has to back it first. All right. Fantastic. I'll go cry alone in my room. I'm sorry, but it's just the way it is. No, no, it's okay. Don't give me any special treatment. Yeah. After all the things I've done. Yeah. And we'll see you all next week. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts on Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. 
game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing decked deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.